Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Harder and Drew Null. Well, Drew, today we are going to look at an article that posted by Future Point of View, our friends over at FPOV. We've had a chance to interact with them, talk with Scott Klosowski, the founder. We had Corey, uh, who kind of focuses on, on cybersecurity, Corey White on the podcast. I had a chance to write an article with Scott stemming off of all of the data and research that he and I did and all the conversations that are out there on the nature of remote work, how the experience in 2020 just blew open the doors on what Mm -hmm. remote work was and is and how many people experienced it. And it was unsettling. It was uh, maybe some shaky water that everybody had to kind of get through. Overall, there were some really good positive experiences. People discovered it worked. Uh, yeah. And also people discovered it works pretty well. Maybe this is what I want <laughs> to do. Well. Yeah. yeah. And yet 2020, we had to do it. You know, it was no choice. You want to keep yourself going. You want to keep your people moving, your company rolling. You had to, but now yeah. you don't have to, but you can. And right. so it's not just all right, we can do it. But there are some real challenges now. There's some real questions that need to be answered to do this well and really see what could be a true new normal to belabor a phrase. So we're (laughs) just going to jump right in. I'm going to read from the article. Then you and I can kind of talk about it as we go. What we do in the article, I will say, is we name seven challenges that have to be navigated in order to move effectively into a new frontier of what remote work can be. So let's jump into it. The article's title, Creating Balance in a New Workforce Environment, Actionable Steps to Address Remote Work Challenges in 2021. So here's from the article. Work from home was a lifesaver in 2020, a catalyst that showed leaders they can provide workforce flexibility, and now the challenges begin. The return to office is a welcome sign in the fight against COVID. It's a relief to leaders who are eager to get back to the familiar ways they manage their teams. In Oklahoma, leaders and employees alike call digital platforms the, quote, saving grace for their company, and it allowed them to shift to a distributed workforce rather than shut down completely. More than survive, adapting to remote work enabled many to thrive. The experience will not easily be forgotten, and mounting data shows not everyone wants to. Nearly two-thirds, 63% of people don't want to go back to working full-time in the office, according to an Oklahoma statewide case study on work and digital communications during covid Many participants in the multi-sector study prefer to work remotely two to three days per week, indicating a permanent shift in the workforce to a new way of life. So remote work was more than successful than expected for sure. But in 2021, the challenges begin. Okay, challenge one, uneven willingness to work full-time in the office. 
and let me set it up a little bit from the article. In 2020, massive numbers of people experienced what the future of work can be. But in the early months post-COVID, a remote work expectations gap emerged between the desire for remote work options by employees and the openness to the idea from leaders. Despite consistent feedback indicating that team members prefer remote work flexibility, leaders aren't entirely convinced. They wonder if increased productivity is sustainable long-term. Leaders are raising important questions about trust, introducing new hires to their team, and promoting a healthy organizational culture. But here's the key, Drew. As employers hesitate to embrace remote work, 30% of employees say they would quit if not allowed to. The uneven willingness to come back can lead to disruptive conflict and turnover. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree that it's a challenge. And the rate at which people are adamantly opposed to full-time back in the workplace, I'm honestly surprised it's as low as 30%. I would I would have expected it to to be higher. The the thing that you pointed out here in terms of the trust between you know, employers and employees is the key. Yeah. It's something that has to to be established and it's a new kind of trust. Yeah. And I think that's a, a key thing to point out. It's not the same kind of trust that I have if I am in the office, you're in the office. I trust you to do your work if you're in the office. And having been somebody that's been on both sides of that coin, a lot of the trust that is in the workplace is elicited by the ability of the employer to control a large number of the factors in the workplace. I can control right. how many distractions there are. I can control the concentration of people around certain people. I mean, I, I used to manage teams of large numbers of people in large office environments, and we would literally structure the way we laid out the teams because we knew that there were certain, you know, whether it was a job function or just personality types that were more easily distracted. And so being outside of that traditional environment, the, you know, the office building or the HQ or whatever your physical space may be, there's a, there is a hesitancy for uh, employers to give up a totality of that control in some degree. And obviously we're not talking about complete work, uh, remote work. We're talking about some sort of a hybrid, right? A combination of of working remote and and working uh, in in the office, but it it absolutely this challenge is spot on. I, I think that uh, people are people have proven. If I had to posit from the employee side, I, I would suspect the fact that we navigated through 2020, right, in in a forced remote, you know, distributed workforce, the employee sees that as well, I obviously was able to do my job well, at least well enough that the company survived and succeeded and, and all of those things. At a bare minimum, the employee was able to perform their job duties sufficient enough to retain their employment. So if I was able to do that through 2020, when things were extraordinarily chaotic, as 2021 and into 2022 and, and into the foreseeable future, as things are 
hopefully, and I say that softly because we don't know what the future holds, but we would hope that the at least the near future is less chaotic than 2020 was. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be able to be as successful, even for a portion of my time, working remotely uh, in a less chaotic environment? So I see both sides. I see yeah. the balance of both sides of the argument. And that's what this particular challenge is getting at, is that there is an uneven willingness. There is a gap that has emerged between sure. the expectations of the workforce and the Openness of leaders, willingness of leaders, comfort of leaders. And you made a very interesting comment that I think is true. And the article even kind of said it too. You know, leaders are looking forward to getting back to the familiar ways that they manage their teams. And yeah. in a remote environment, you have to manage your teams differently. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it will be more difficult necessarily. It's just different. And yeah. it may be different skills, different processes and methods and approaches. Some yeah. of those can be really intuitive and easily picked up. Some may truly be some reskilling that your leaders and your management folks have to take time to develop. And so the issue of trust gets a little even more of a challenge as we're going to see in, in one of the next challenges that the article mentions. But essentially, you've just got, you've got the fact that the two sides aren't on the same page. Yeah. And the danger there is it could lead to a lot of disruption for your organization, for your company. It could lead to conflict that isn't necessary, maybe avoidable, mm -hmm. but could be there. Yeah. And yeah. also remote work showed especially talented people who do get their job done and can work from home that they can do this. And you know what? My skills and my abilities are portable. I can maybe go somewhere yeah. else. And so that's that's yeah. the allowing this expectation gap to to stay as it is is going to bring some risk to companies and organizations and leaders because people have new options. Doesn't mean yep. that the leaders are wrong. Doesn't mean that that there aren't good no. questions that they're they're asking, but it could cause more problems for them, more difficulty, certainly more disruption for them if yeah. they don't work to address it. Yeah, and, and if I could put this into maybe a, an application or or make it more analogous to something that we're all familiar with, I believe that the mental state or the paradigm that a lot of leadership was working out of through 2020 is much akin to somebody that wants to get healthier, yeah. lose weight, be a healthier person, right? Most of us look at that from, I'm going to go on a diet, mm -hmm. right? And most diets are restrictive and I'm not going to eat carbs or I'm going to just eat whole foods or I'm just going to eat tofu or whatever the case may be. But it's a very restrictive diet. There's a result that you get out of that. But a lot of times those extraordinarily restrictive diets aren't sustainable. Yeah. And so you get in that mindset of, OK, I just have to do this for six months, for a yeah. year, whatever. Yeah. You're absolutely until right. I get Until I get to my goal and then I can go back to eating the way I ate. And those people don't see the same results as if you make a 
a relationship change to food and health and exercise and all those things. Those are the people that you see that tend to have those long-term life transformations. And it is sustainable because they didn't just restrict themselves in a mindset of, I just have to do this for a short period of time, then all this stuff's going to go over. And then I can go back to the same way I was before. And so I suspect that a lot of leaders that are having consternation are those that thought, okay, I just have to get through COVID. And then once COVID's over, I can go back to leading my organization the way I did before. And the reality is not to belabor the, the phrase, but it is a new normal. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to operate differently. So you're, that's a great analogy because the positive preferable product of going on a diet or something like that is to actually be healthier long-term to be right. Have a greater ability to thrive long-term. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what, well, I know that that's what's also behind the motivation of this article is sure. that successfully navigating these challenges can put your company in a position to be healthier long-term, to thrive long-term because the world's not going back. The world's not going to forget this experience. And so the things things that were introduced aren't going to go away. And we're not, we're not saying that it's going to be like 2020 from now on, but it's not going to go back the way it was. And so uh, be healthier long-term, navigate better into it. Well, let me show you yeah. some of the ways that we discuss overcoming this challenge, an even willingness to work full-time in the office. To overcome this challenge, employers need to learn the specific reasons people within their organization say they want to have remote work flexibility moving forward. The general benefits to remote work are many. Drew, you and I have talked a lot about that. Um, yep. But in your organization, the desire for remote work may be more specific and varied across job function. Team members in a certain department may have found remote work significantly enhanced their productivity and efficiency. Others in your uh, company may have personal or family obligations as primary motivations. When leaders better understand the reasons their own employees desire remote work flexibility, they can better bridge the gap between the needs of the organization and those of their people. And here's what we were just saying. Leaders can also discover the unique ways their company can be a more desirable place to work. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Challenge two. You started to get into this issue of trust. Challenge two distrust of workers not willing to work in the office. As more people can come back to the office, leaders naturally question why their employees don't want to. Leaders may interpret an insistence on remote work as a lack of commitment. Trust is foundational in most situations, especially for the success of distributed teams through remote working. What do you think about that? That why don't you want to come back to the office? (laughs) Yeah, and I would actually just as a you know a course correction, I would say that trust is foundational in all situations. Not just we we were trying to be we were trying to be (laughs) gracious in how we wrote it. (laughs) Understood, understood. Yeah, but it it is especially uh, paramount in this situation. Uh, I understand from a leadership standpoint the question or the, the hesitation 
uh, or even, I don't want to use a c- accusation, but I understand that questioning of, you know, if I'm a leader and we just came through this tumultuous period of time, why don't you want to come? We can't, right? Whether right. it's our our municipalities and governments are allowing us to, or, you know, we've hit vaccination through whatever the whatever the thing that's allowing your company to come back into a more traditional in-office work setting and you have employees that don't want to i get that i understand that that can be frustrating or just confusing to 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 leaders and this dovetails very well obviously because it's a cohesive article into the first challenge of this is really important for leaders to lean into understanding what that hesitation is. I think there's lots of reasons mm-hmm. why people may not want to come back full time or or even at all. I think that the those that don't want to come back at all, I think there is obviously some uh, some compromise to be made there. But I think that it's important to understand why people may not want to come back. It may be, I mean, COVID is, while it is an improved situation, it's still a real thing. Yeah. It's still out there. The Delta variant is doing whatever it is doing. So there may be people that still have legitimate health concerns about why they don't, you know, want to come back. I think the communication around that is extraordinarily important from a leadership standpoint, communicating what your company is doing to, ensure the safety of your folks when they're in the office, whether it's we've got additional sanitation protocols, we're, you know, whatever those, we've got these policies in place, all those different things. There may be people that just adjusted to working from home and the remote work and the flexibility that it provides, and they may not want to give that up completely. I, I know for me, my company has been open. I mean, like I could go into the office every day if I wanted to, uh, right now, we're in the middle of a construction project, and I legitimately don't have a desk. Right. Um, and so when I go in, I have to just kind of find places to work. So I'm primarily remote work, and I go in when I need to. And I've adjusted my schedule that way. Now, when we get to the point where our office is completely built out, the expectation for me and and the rest of our sales organization to be in the office more often, we understand that that's coming and we want to be in the office more. I genuinely feel like in terms of collaborative work, when I need to go work with other people and 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 get things done, it is more efficient to do face-to-face. But there's also still in, in my, I still have that reservation of like, man, I really like being at home every yeah. day. Um, one, I'm, I feel like I personally am just as productive, uh, but I've also, you know, built my schedule my life schedule and rhythm around the fact that I'm at home most of the time. And so I think for some people, especially depending on what home looks like for them, that transition of just turning turning the switch from I'm at home to now I'm going into the office, especially depending on what their commute may look like, that's a substantial change to people's yeah. you know rhythm of life. And so I, I think that leaders... In this challenge, and having, and I sit on right now, I sit on both sides of this fence because I have a team that I, I, I lead as well as I have, you know, I'm, I'm an employee of others and I'm led by some. And the onus is on the leader in this challenge, in my opinion, to understand why your folks aren't wanting to come back. 
and you have to, as my current CEO says all the time, you have to err on the side of positive right. and err on thinking the best in people until they give you a real reason not to. Uh, and I think that's really key here. Right. And we definitely are talking in terms of trust among your people. Certainly yeah. a, another area of trust that we didn't mention in the article is you do have situations of sensitive data and a level of trust and our ability to keep information safe and secure, both sure. to protect our our assets, our company, our, our data, but also our people, uh, especially Absolutely. if you've got people that are in the finance sector and they may be having access to capital that is not theirs. And if yeah. you want to protect them, make sure that they don't oh, make, make an innocent mistake that, that could be very, very bad for them. Let, let, for me, sure. let me share some of the ways that to overcome this challenge and then talk a little bit more because I think you were really hitting some important stuff there with the idea of the onus being on the leaders. Uh, to overcome this challenge, leaders must build trust across the whole team. Uh, commit to honest communication that invites input from team members. You made that point. Celebrate individual and team accomplishments and work product. Success yeah. for a hybrid work environment with remote work flexibility is possible when it is a culture of trust that values individual contributions, collaborative accomplishments, rather than suspicion where managers think the work is only getting done on site from nine to five. So I yeah. would add to what we've got written there and what you've already said, because you made that great point, communication, we've got to really do this, but the onus is on the leaders. You've got on one end, you could maybe default to distrust, not think well enough of your people, be more scrutinizing. And so maybe you need to guard against that in your evaluation of uh, your situation and your team and how you are navigating this challenge of shifting into a hybrid distributed workforce. But also trust is built best when you are a trustworthy person. And so absolutely, I also see an opportunity. You talked about your situation. You know, there's going to be an expectation you're going to come in more. They've invested in your physical space. It's going to be functional. They're doing that for a reason. They yeah. want to get ahead of ourselves. We talk about physical space a little later in the article. But yeah, they want you to use it. They want you to come in. But if you are really demonstrating your trustworthiness by getting your job done, working well, both in the office and remotely, even when that day comes, what can happen is the culture of the organization can be much more open to that flexibility because yeah, they've exactly. seen over time that you've proven I'm in the office doing collaborative work. I'm making use of the investment in this physical space so that we're really valuing what the company's done and moving it forward. But I also get my job done even when I do work from home. And just over time, you will build trust as a team member, as an employee, and the leader can see that and it can just be a better situation all the way around, which is really what I think yeah. we're going to see us going to. It's this yeah. more of a different way of life, different lifestyle that has different rhythms. It's not, do I get to do it or not? It's right. that this is just a much more powerful option that's available to us. Okay. Go yeah. ahead, Drew. 
I agree a hundred percent. And my, my comment was going to roll right into, to the next challenge. So I'll, I'll save it. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll keep it. Yeah. We, we just got the last few minutes, one more challenge and we'll come back and wrap this up in the next episode because we've been talking about unwillingness questions. They have distrust challenge three abuse of a flexible workforce model. Embracing remote work accepts the fact there will be some who abuse the flexibility. There's always those people. (laughs) Leaders felt forced to allow remote work in 2020, whether sufficient accountability existed. Increased productivity from strong team members also makes it harder to recognize when others are coasting. The whole team suffers when bad behavior isn't addressed. What do we do yeah. about the abuse of flexible work environment options? Yeah, the reality is, like you said, you're always going to have those people that are going to abuse a potential opportunity. Yeah. And you know, as you're talking about this, the whole team suffers when bad behavior isn't addressed. I, I for whatever reason, have PTSD back to college group projects. Um, <laughs> you know, whether it was like a group presentation you had to give and five person team, rather you get three people that are really strong and put in all the work. And then when you go to give the presentation, the other two are like the people that are clicking the PowerPoint slide and like holding up, you know, the poster or whatever. And it's like, Hey, and I, uh, but anyway, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we all got the same grade. Yeah. Um, But in this case, the reality is, yeah, I mean, leaders did feel forced to allow remote work in in 2020. And when it happened, a lot of organizations didn't have accountability structures to manage it as effectively as they would have wanted. And so there was a variation in productivity. You know, the, the overarching anthem of remote work is that most people were more productive working from home. And that's absolutely true. I think most people, or at least a lot of people were more productive. But the reality is you did have those people that there are some people that thrive in that very structured work office environment. I come in, I turn on, I do my work, I turn off, I go home, I don't have to think about it. That's right. And so for those people, remote work was, and if they're still having to participate in it, is a struggle, was a struggle. Yeah. And so for those people, there is some accountability that's necessary. And so what I think this whole remote work, what was a phenomenon, now it's, you know, a piece of the new norm or, or or it is the new norm is the opportunity for leaders to develop new skills yeah. um, and organizations to develop new means of growth for their employees, for those that are part of their organization. Because the reality is you do need a different type of accountability model. What you did from a management standpoint, and this is getting down the down the chain in terms of, I hate the phrase middle manager, but we're not talking about how this, I mean, it is the culture starts at the top. I absolutely believe that. But when we're talking about accountability at this level, we're talking not about like the CEOs, you're talking down the chain, people that are actually managing the doers uh, of the organization, right? Yeah. The the theme and thread and foundation of, of successfully navigating a remote workforce is trust and Trust is formed by communication. Yeah. And so you've got to, as, as a leader, to, I'm very adamant that you do have to make sure that you're ferreting out those that ab- could potentially and are abusing a remote work model. Because if you don't, 
your team members are going to know if you've got yeah. a team of five or 10 or 20 people and 18 of them are just balling out, getting their work done, being extraordinarily successful. And you got two that everybody else on the team knows you've got that 830 call every morning, you know, a touch base call and you got that 430 PM touch base call to check in. As soon as that 830 is done at nine, that heifer's got a 915 tea time and he's never touching his computer again until he jumps back on at 430 to close out the day. Yeah. The whole rest of the team's going to know that and it's going to be a cancer in yeah. your team because always then you're going to start having always people. Is. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's, it's, it, it, you're going to have people that are going to go, well, if John Doe's not working and he's out piping drives all day, then why am I sitting here busting my hump? to get my work done when nothing's happening to him. He's coming in in the 11th hour, throwing a report together. It's garbage, but it gets accepted just the same as my work does. Mm -hmm. So you've got to manage that to be able to effectively utilize this tool. And that's what a remote workforce is. It is a tool yeah. and you have to, just like any other tool, you have to figure out how it best works for you and you've got to be able to manage it. And just like I tell my eight-year-old, when we're out in the garage working, you know, on a woodworking project, every tool has a purpose and, and an advantage, but it also has an inherent risk. And you have to make sure that you're you're safely operating your tools so that they're effectively working for you. Yeah. We're going to post this article in the show notes. Uh, a lot of what you just talked about, how do you manage a team? How The article lays out a couple different uh, ways to, to do that, create those accountabilities, better manage your team. But the last word I'll say, that idea of building your culture around celebrating the individual accomplishments, yeah. as well as team accomplishments, because truth is, a lot of what we discovered in 2020 is the things that we thought were effective metrics or accountability maybe weren't as effective as we thought. You know, just yeah. warming a seat from nine to five may not have been as effective as you thought. And remote right. work, a culture that embraces the work of the individual getting their job done, moving the ball forward and the team, uh, that in and of itself creates a new level of accountability because you're also Absolutely. creating a culture where people want to work and, and do stuff, get stuff done, yeah. and they're getting recognized right. for that. And so yeah, and that absolutely. can even help with this management of those bad actors. We'll pick yeah, up for sure with the rest of the challenges next time. Awesome. Thanks, Joel. You've been listening to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew No. Make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly. If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.